This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, we're rerunning a timeless show on contraception and abortion with Dr. Amy Hogan. Dr. Hogan is a wife and mother who is also a family physician and fertility care specialist, as well as the owner of the One Body Clinic in Salina. And now, here's Dr. Amy Hogan. Hello and welcome to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. This is Dr. Amy Hogan. Today's topic is going to be contraception and abortion. These are definitely very controversial topics. We're going to talk a little bit about what I've learned in the last 15 years about these things and how a lot of experiences in my life have changed my perception on what is truly good and holy and wholesome for the body and for the soul in the area of reproductive medicine. Let's begin with the prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, bring our hearts to you. Help us to be humble. Help us to be patient. Help us to be listening to the Holy Spirit's guidance. Dear God, show us what your church has to say. Show us how much you value the body and how much you care for life and the good news about new life. Dear God, move us each moment closer to you into the heavenly marriage banquet of eternity. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. What we know for a fact is that God likes life. If you look through the Bible, you'll see a lot of different examples where if a woman was infertile, for example, in the Old Testament, they called themselves cursed and barren and how horrible it was to have no children. Uh, And now we've moved on to a society where we have more and more families that are very, very strictly limited in size, all the way to the Chinese that have the wretched one-child policy. This definitely will be a topic for a whole nother radio show, probably a politics segment. But we've got a society who sees children now more as a burden than as a gift. If you go to the Old Testament and you look at even the Psalms, it'll say that happy is the man who has all of the children and has a, your children are like your arrows. Happy the man who has a quiver full, that this is a special blessing, that your wife be like a fruitful vine in your home, that children are an ultimate wonderful blessing. If you look in the catechism, certainly children and the fruitfulness of a marriage are the supreme blessing to a marriage. And so you have to think to yourself, what does contraception say in a marriage? As we ponder that for just a moment, let's jump back to what contraception says outside of marriage and how the Crisis Pregnancy Center comes back into play. There were definitely a lot of women who took the pregnancy test. We offered free pregnancy tests and they were not pregnant. So we talk more about chastity and abstinence and how that can benefit them and how this could be a learning tool for them visiting the Crisis Pregnancy Center today, realizing that they had you know, a chance to go on and make some better decisions and choices. And it was often noticeable that women who are on the pill, that they weren't often pregnant. That to my perception also, it showed me that the pill must be somewhat effective. Anyway, 
I wasn't the only one interested in pro-life work, and I had a friend at that time, also at Kansas State University, who was in pre-medicine and now has gone on to become an OBGYN in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, he decided, as we were talking one day about crisis pregnancy work, to ask me if I knew how does a pill really work. And so I looked back at him and I said, well, it stops ovulation, doesn't it? And um, just a little bit of uh, Biology 101. Of course, it takes several things to become pregnant. And um, most of us know it has to be a man and has to be a woman. Praise God for that. And there's also a special cervical fluid that has to be present. Now, this is the way that we come to understand our bodies when we learn the natural family planning. Because in order for someone to become pregnant, there has to be what I like to call a dance floor, a place for the female gamete and the male gamete, also known as the sperm and the egg, to meet. So anyway, I said to him, the pill must stop ovulation, right? That's what I had already learned. That's what was taught to me in my previous health classes. He says, yes, it it could stop ovulation, but that's not all. And I just want to pause for just a moment, and I want to literally apologize if this is the first time that you are hearing about the true way that the pill works on the body, because I literally was frustrated and angered by what I was about to hear. He said, no, it doesn't always just stop ovulation. In fact, sometimes ovulation may still occur. And if that happens, then you still have a live egg traveling towards the uterus, and of course the sperm if you are having relations. And then there are more ways that the pill can work it may change the cervical fluid. You know that dance floor we just talked about? It can make that sticky like tar instead of water. So the uh, male sperm are just not able to swim as fast. They just can't move through or penetrate. They can't uh, get into the uterus and into the fallopian tube where a typical fertilization would occur. Now, if that doesn't happen, so for example, if there's still an egg and the sperm are still able to swim for whatever reason, then you may actually have a conception. You may actually have a fertilization even on the pill. And this is very self-evident because um, there are, are many people who have become pregnant on the pill, so it definitely doesn't always have all of its mechanisms of action working. But the third way, the third way, that the pill works is something that changed my life forever. He said, you also may change the inside of the uterus so that if there is a teeny tiny baby embryo that is moving down the fallopian tube, that it may not have a place to grow. And so the next period, which for a pill package, for women taking the pill, the period is nothing more than a withdrawal of hormones bleed. They have five or seven sugar pills that are at the end of their pill package, and at that time, with the lack of hormones from the active pills, the bleeding from the uterus occurs. What happens with the pill is that the uterus, or the inner part of the uterus, is made very thin, and if you do some molecular biology, you'll also learn that there are connection molecules that are necessary for a baby to implant, a baby to find a home on the wall of the uterus or the womb. And these connection molecules are decreased in a woman who is on the pill. So literally, 
there just is no home for the baby. And so when that sugar pill time would come or when the end of the pill package would come, baby would be lost with the rest of the uterine lining. Well, certainly I was taken aback and I said, I don't believe you. And I really literally was shaken to my core thinking, how can this be? How could I not know the truth? How could this be possible? So at that time, I was working following a family physician and uh, trying to get experience, trying to get ready for medical school. So I went the next day to her drug closet. Um, Family physicians often have a pretty extensive drug closet with all different types of medications, blood pressure medications, cholesterol medications, uh, you name it. And this particular female physician had a whole grouping of oral contraceptive pill packages that were ready for sampling. So I went to this drug closet and I pulled out every single package insert that I could find. You know, the little tiny white package that insert that you get with the teeny tiny writing. And I took them all home and I can still remember with a small light on at my desk, looking through and pouring through these pill package inserts and reading the mechanism of action. And they were all pretty much the same. None of the pill companies denied the fact that what my friend said was true. It said, you may have stopped ovulation, you may change cervical fluid, and you may stop nidation of a fertilized ovum. And that's just long scientific wording for, you may stop teeny tiny baby from nesting, nidation in the lining of the uterus. So the pill companies did not deny that the pill although extremely popular in the United States, over 10 million women estimated to be on the pill in our country, they did not deny that the pill could be abortive. Again, my apologies if this is the first time that you're ever hearing this, but you may ask yourself, well, then who is denying the facts? Because nobody's ever told me these things, and my doctor would tell me this sort of thing. Well, I'll tell you who denied the facts originally. It was the American College of OBGYN, or ACOG, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. In 1965, they actually made a statement where they changed the definition. That's right, changed the definition of conception. The words conception and fertilization used to be basically one and the same meaning. And if you look in Webster's Dictionary, they still have the same meaning. But in 1965, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology knew that the pill was coming out on the market and would be in full force very soon. And they decided that if people knew that the pill could work post-fertilization, that there would not be very good public perception of this new medication. So they changed the definition of conception to now be the same as implantation after a clinical pregnancy or pregnancy test could recognize that baby was now around. So basically, instead of saying that you have conceived, they now would say that you have not conceived until after a positive pregnancy test. Now, my friends, this is very tricky because a positive pregnancy test will not be there until two to three weeks, maybe four weeks after the implantation. 
Let me quick give you a rundown of events of what happens when you actually do become pregnant. First, the moment that we all became human would be when the sperm and the egg met in the fallopian tube. So fertilization occurs in the fallopian tube. The teeny tiny baby embryo moves down through the tube toward the uterus. This process takes about a week. At about a week's time, baby begins to find a home in the uterus and implants, if you will, finds a nest, finds a place to stay in the comfy cushion of the mom's womb. Then, about one to two weeks later, the woman has missed her period, and at that time, a chemical called HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin, gets high enough that it can be clinically detected with a pregnancy test. So my friends, it doesn't really make sense to say she's not pregnant until a pregnancy test is positive. But that's exactly what American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology wanted. They wanted people to not be dissuaded from the use of the pill. They wanted excellent public opinion, and they wanted people to believe that it was only contraceptive in nature. They knew that if people got hold or understood that there could be post-fertilization effects of the pill, that it would never, ever go. It would never, ever do, and many people would definitely object. And so, my friends, here it is. Here's the truth. Over 45 years later, let the truth be known. So right then and there, I knew. I knew that I had to be different. I knew that I could not be responsible for prescribing the birth control pill if it could cause any kind of abortion risk, any kind of loss of human life, because I was pro-life, right? I have a little silly joke for you. It was actually told by a parish priest one time, so even though it has a little bit of twist, I think you'll appreciate it. It's about an American guy. American uh, wanted to go over to England, and when he got to England, he desperately wanted to meet an Englishman. So he went out and was walking through the streets and um, saw an Englishman, and he said to him, hey there, let's, uh, let's go inside and, and uh, have a drink here. We can talk and get to know each other, and we'll be able to have a good old time. What do you say about that? And the Englishman was a friendly man, but he looked at him and said, No, no, I don't drink. I tried it once, but I didn't like it, so I don't drink. And the American guy was not deterred. He still decided that it was a good day to have some company. So he said, Well, you know, I have my pack of cigarettes here. We could just stand here on the corner and smoke a cigarette, and together we could just pass the breeze and get to know each other that way. And the Englishman looked at him a little bit dismayed, and he said, No, no, I don't smoke. I tried it once, but I didn't like it, so I don't smoke. So the American guy was a little bit beside himself, still undeterred, but a little frustrated. So he looked across the street, and he saw a park. A park was there, and there were park benches, and there were places set up, and people were playing cards. So he said to the Englishman, Oh, that would be splendid. Let's go have a game of cards. What do you say about a game of cards together? We could sit and chat and get to know each other playing cards. And the Englishman just sighed and said, No, no, I don't play cards. I tried it once, but I didn't like it, so 
I don't play cards. Well, the American guy was beside himself now, but suddenly the Englishman got a little bit of a, a smile and, and a shimmer in his eye, and he said, Well, my son is coming. Maybe he would play a game of cards with you. And the American guy looked at him and said, I assume that was your only son. Now, I know that one takes a little bit of time to get, but anyway, what I'm trying to remind us is that sexuality, even though sometimes the world acts as if it's a taboo and that we shouldn't talk about it or that it's sort of a hidden thing, um, it really is one of God's greatest gifts. And so we really have to elevate it in that way. We have to see it as something that God created, that God created as so good, so good that it's definitely not in the gutter. In fact, it is in human sexuality that we most image the true and heavenly marriage where the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one, where two become one flesh and there may be a third. You see, there are definite parallels. And if you again go to the Bible and you see that from beginning to end, the Bible is a wedding feast from the two become one flesh in Genesis all the way to the end of the Revelation, where there is a heavenly wedding feast, the banquet, the wedding feast of the Lamb. So let's just just remind ourselves and get our grip of how wonderful the body is and how wonderful sexuality is and how the greatest gift is where two become one. And you might have to name that one nine months later. We've been connecting a little bit of dots of the things that I had to learn and had to move through in order to become the doctor that I am today, a doctor who does not prescribe contraceptives to women and does not refer them for abortion. And I guess if I was to look back even in high school, I would tell you that I definitely would not want to refer any woman for abortion. But then in my crisis pregnancy center work, I came to understand that contraceptives also could spell out abortion. So then I realized early on that I had to find diff another alternative, another way to help women and families in whatever particular problem that they had, whether it was the true and definite need to space children, whether it was with painful periods or polycystic ovarian disease or things that were you know, difficult for their cycle, that I was going to need to have some other tools to figure out how to help them. And so that's when I decided, just out of curiosity, to take a class on natural family planning. At that time, I had a friend who had just become a practitioner for the Creighton model, the Creighton model of fertility care. I became one of her first students and dutifully showed up to all of my follow-ups and all of my appointments so I could learn everything there was to know about female fertility. And very interestingly, I learned more about female fertility in my natural family planning courses than I did throughout all of medical school. And I'm telling you, I went to class. It wasn't like I didn't show up to class. I learned so much about the body by studying Creighton Model of Fertility Care. I think one of the best things about learning fertility care or learning about fertility in general is that women come to have a true respect, a true understanding for how amazing their body is really made. And the men who love them begin to realize how intricate and how detailed the female body really is. 
And you know what, ladies? If we change our minds from day to day, we have a right to because we are chemically not the same woman twice in one month. So bless us all that we have diverse and exciting changes in our lives and that that's exactly how God made us. Men, on the other hand, they are basically fertile 24-7 after puberty and their hormone level typically stays right about the same from puberty until the end. This reminds me of an Adam and Eve joke that I once heard from Janet Smith. If you need more about the topic of contraception, because I know that this is a hot topic and it's a topic that needs to be digested and digested with some love and some thought and some logic, Professor Janet Smith is an excellent resource on uh, One More Soul's website. That's capital O, capital M, capital S, followed by OUL.com. You can typically get a free CD of Janet Smith's called Contraception, Why Not? It'd be an excellent follow-up if you've never heard these topics spoken about like this before. She would give you some amazing background and some amazing true-to-life reasons, other reasons why contraception is definitely a harmful thing in our world today. But our joke goes a little bit like this. Adam was talking to God in the Garden of Eden and talking about his new lovely wife Eve. And he says to God, Lord, why'd you have to make her so beautiful? She's amazing. I think about her every minute. She possesses my every thought. She's so gorgeous. Lord, why'd you have to make her so beautiful? And God says back to Adam, Well, Adam, I wanted to make you a helpmate, someone that you could truly love. And he says, well, thank you, God. Thank you so much. But God, why do you have to make her so crazy? I mean, she's up, she's down, she's moody. She changes her mind all the time. She's just all over the map. Why do you have to make her so crazy? And God pauses for one more moment and says to Adam, I had to make someone who would love you too. I know, pretty silly. That one cuts both ways, huh? So the next thing we have to do tonight is to really come to understand why natural family planning is so much more beautiful than contraception. Because you may be saying to yourself, well, wait a second, doc. You have two couples. They're both wanting to postpone a pregnancy. What is the difference? Why does it matter how they do it? And I think that the first part of tonight's or today's show will explain the first reason, which is that we all have our souls and our souls are all going to, going to be liable at the end of our lives for how we've stewarded our body and also whether or not we've allowed ourselves to be part of something that could be evil, which would be the contraception causing a teeny tiny mini abortion. But there are many other reasons that contraception can hurt you and how natural family planning can be excellent for you. So let's go over some of those things today. The first thing that also should be said back is if contraception and natural family planning are the same, then why doesn't everyone do natural family planning? That would be something to ponder right there, huh? So the first 
and biggest thing about naturified planning is that it's a learned method of behavior. It teaches couples how to relate to each other in a way that is couple protective, a joint relationship where they are actually sharing in the responsibility of whether or not to procreate children. This is definitely different than picking up a prescription, popping a pill, and going on with life. I find so many men and women who are about to get married, and they say, well, we've got this all planned out. We are going to get married, and then five years later, we're going to have our first child. And they know exactly how they're going to accomplish that because they're going to stay on their contraceptive or their pill or whatever for that amount of time. No questions asked. And then they'll come off. And they hope and they hope that that will be the time that they're able to get pregnant without any difficulties. Anyway, the natural family planning couple will go month by month learning about each other, talking to each other about their hopes and goals and dreams. Yes, they may want to postpone a child, but each month when it comes to the fertile time again, which let's just pause for a second and think about how long, how long really is a woman fertile in a month? This may surprise you. Women are fertile for only... 24 to 48 hours in a month. Amazing, huh? So we've got millions of women dumping chemicals into their bodies at six to 10 times greater amounts than physiologically necessary to cover one to two days of true fertility. At the same time, women, we've got men who are fertile 24 seven, constantly fertile, but it's the woman who gets the brunt of the responsibility for these dangerous chemicals in their bodies. Sorry guys, but as a female physician, this makes me a little bit angry. It makes me, ugh, floored. It makes me just want to boil over because it is not right. First of all, the pill was never created for a woman. The pill was definitely created for man. Pill was meant to make a woman so that she was more like a man. In other words, unable to get pregnant and get back out to the workforce and do your share. We need to take a short break right now, but whether you're listening via radio, computer, phone app, or on Amazon Echo, please know we'll be right back with more about contraception and abortion with Dr. Amy Hogan. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. Contraception and abortion. With Dr. Amy Hogan. Welcome back to One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. Today's topic, contraception and abortion. And I have to admit that we spent most of the day discussing contraception. I'm certain that in future episodes, we'll definitely have to spend more time talking about the uh, truth about abortion and how it's led our nation astray. But today we're going to finish up in a more detailed way talking about contraception and uh, actually comparing it to the good news about natural family planning. I like to try to be a positive person whenever I can. So 
we're going to try to tell you some of the most amazing and awesome things that you can glean in your marriage from natural family planning and how that compares to contraceptive devices. Sometimes people might ask, well, what's the difference? What's the difference if a couple's trying to avoid a pregnancy? And so that's what we're highlighting. We're highlighting how is it truly different, different to a marriage, different to the body, different to the whole society. So the number, the second thing would be that natural family planning instills in man and woman a special virtue called chastity. Now it used to be that chastity was a definite virtue that many people strived for and longed for. It seems like in today's world that it's sort of been left on the wayside. I recently was reading an article from American Life League that talked about the changes in our society from 1960 until now. If you want to access American Life League for more information on this particular topic, they can be reached at all.org. This article was published in the July-August 2011 Celebrate Life magazine, and it can be accessed quite easily and readily by typing in clmag at all.org, clmag at all.org. And the article was entitled, The Pill Kills Marriage. The, the statistics show that the number of unmarried women of childbearing age who are cohabiting skyrocketed for, from 439,000 in 1960 to 5.5 million in the year of 2000. If you look at that in percentage of the population, it's a 1,150% increase in just 40 years. Births to unmarried women skyrocketed from 224,000 in 1960 to 1.75 million in the year of 2007. 2007. That marks an over 600% increase. Now, I'm very happy that these women went ahead and had their babies. Every child, every single child is a blessing to society. Every single child is God's gift. But the problem herein is the fact that many of these children, because they live in a single parent home, will be faced with the stressors of a single parent home. Children are definitely a great responsibility. But unfortunately, we know that many times single parent homes struggle financially and single parent homes, there's a lot of stress involved with that. And sometimes it means that these children are going to have a disadvantage when they enter school, when they go on to face the world and its challenges. So back to the virtue of chastity. Why is chastity so important? Chastity outside of marriage means that women and men will be entering into marriage as a sacrament. More often than not, if a man and woman have saved themselves for each other, that is really great marriage insurance. Really great in the fact that those people will be sharing only with one another something very, very important, very critical to their marriage. The other important part is that those two people will be more likely to save themselves only one for the other. The problem with contraception lies in that it's easy in and outside of marriage. So if you have a sterile relationship inside of marriage, then it begs the question, well, why not have sexual relations with people outside of marriage? There's no particular consequence, or at least people believe that there may not be a particular consequence as long as they are quote unquote protected from the consequence of having the baby. 
So unfortunately, contraceptives had made for more sexual experiences outside of marriage, and this has definitely showed up with less chastity and more babies born outside of marriage. So what's another difference between natural family planning and contraception? Another huge one is that of the side effect profile. As a doctor prescribing medicines every day of the week, people often ask, what's the side effect to this medication, doctor? And many times I go to my drug book or my computer and look up a long list of side effects and help to ease their mind or name off the side effects to watch for in case they have problems with the medication. Now with natural family planning, I often joke that there are no chemical side effects because literally there are not. The only side effect is you have to talk to your spouse. So if you will, an excellent side effect happens with natural family planning because you have to be able to talk about something that's very important, central, key to the marriage, which is when is it time to add a child? And if a couple can talk about these things, it often does help the rest of the marriage. If you can talk about your stressors, or you can talk about your goals and dreams, if you can talk about what it means to live a life together, because raising a child requires a lot of cooperation and responsibility, these things can do nothing but strengthen a marriage. On the other hand, contraceptives have a huge list of side effects, and I want you to understand that only younger women with no particular diseases are prescribed contraceptives. So these serious and common reactions happen to women who are typically quite healthy. And I want you to know that researchers have known about these side effects for a long time. They have known about these side effects and they have allowed these chemicals still to be on the market. Some of these side effects may startle you. Going back to when the pill was being tested on women in the 1960s, there was a time when they were testing both a male hormonal contraceptive and a female contraceptive. And this little piece of history makes me angry, makes me steamed, makes me so fired up that it may just take me a second here to explain. In the 1960s, they were testing a male contraceptive. And an interesting point is that there is no male contraceptive, or at least hormonal contraceptive, on the market today. In the 1960s, they were testing this male contraceptive and they noticed that several males had shrinkage of testicles. So they stopped all testing. And of course, there's nothing here on the market today. Now on the female side of things, they had several women die. Several women died in the testing process of the female hormonal contraceptives. And as you know, there are over 50 on the market today and the deaths have continued. Now, they're not high-profile cases right now. You don't hear a lot about them. But I know many women who have had some of these serious side effects. When I was a student doctor, one of my peers told me that his sister, who was 30 years old, had a stroke. A 30-year-old had a stroke on a contraceptive patch. Later on in my career, I was at another clinic, and a 24-year-old came to my clinic after the fact of having a blood clot go to her eye with the only risk factor being hormonal contraceptives. And as she walked into my clinic at 24 years old, she was partially blinded by having this previous event. 
you'll also hear of women who've had blood clots to the leg, which are called deep venous thrombosis. A DVT is very serious and can cause a secondary effect called a pulmonary embolism, which is a blood clot that goes to the lung. These, my friends, can be fatal. If a woman goes to the ER, that's one of the first things that they'll ask her. Are you on hormonal contraceptives? Because ER doctors know that this presents a large risk factor for making more blood clots. Blood clots also cause things like heart attacks. We mentioned the stroke, increasing the blood pressure. It can cause blood clots that go to the liver. It can cause gallbladder disease, pancreatitis, depression, as mentioned, the blood clot to the eye. All of these can happen to young, unsuspecting young women. Now, other common side effects include menstrual or bleeding irregularities, nausea, vomiting, breast tenderness, headaches, abdominal bloating, water retention, weight gain, emotional lability, which means increased moodiness, depression, worsening of acne, changes of the skin, decreased libido, glucose intolerance, which means a prediabetes-like state, increased cholesterol, and also increase in vaginal yeast infections. Now we could spend hours talking about the what's and the why's and how does it affect women. But as a woman, I don't think I want any of those side effects, let alone one or two of them. Moving forward to another very important difference. Natural family planning respects and honors fertility. It shows the woman her goodness, it shows her how amazing she is made, and it allows her husband to also value that she is a woman who is always changing. She is a woman who is different from day to day and month to month, and to respect these changes as beautiful and good. It also can sometimes help a woman get pregnant if she knows exactly when her fertility window is. This is sometimes crucial because there are many women, unfortunately, who do have subfertility or fertility issues. On the other hand, contraceptives were designed to stop normal female fertility. They were designed to stop a normal natural process that is supposed to be healthy for her. Now there are times when people will take the contraceptive pill for years and they will come off the pill and still be fertile. But I've also seen effects where women will come off the pill and have months to years to be able to get pregnant or sometimes they don't get pregnant at all. Part of the problem does come in in the fact that their doctor may have given them the pill for a cycle issue and covering up this cycle issue may have been a choice that they made, but the problem lies in the fact that once she's off the pill, her fertility or cycle issue has only been covered up, never been cured, and now, 5, 10, 15 years later, when it's time to get pregnant, the fertility issue is not solved, it's now worse. And maybe, just maybe, if they had solved it when she was a younger woman, her fertility problem might have been remedied. But at a later date, unfortunately, there are things that just can't always be fixed. And the younger the woman is, the more easy it is for her to get pregnant in a timely manner. We have a lot of women who are waiting until their late 20s, even early 30s for their first pregnancy. If this woman has a fertility problem, it is only aggravated or made worse by the fact that each passing year, it is slightly harder to 
get pregnant, it is slightly harder to maintain the fertility system at its very best. Now in my practice, I have a lot of women coming in order to learn natural family planning in order to get pregnant at these later stages in their lives. It's a little bit ironic, isn't it? So if you think about their very mechanisms, it's easy to see that natural family planning respects and honors fertility as contraception is designed to stop it. And I challenge you to find any other medication that is prescribed that is designed to stop normal healthy function of the body. When you think about taking a pill, any kind of prescription medication, usually people take medicines to help, to help a system function better or to help remedy a problem. In the case of hormonal contraception, the pill is designed to wreck a normal healthy function of the body. Interesting, isn't it? One more major difference, which we've already talked about a little bit, is that in natural family planning, the focus becomes on the couple and on their monogamous relationship and how well they communicate. So in natural family planning, it actually makes the couple more responsible to each other. They have to talk, they have to be willing to sacrifice for each other. At times, they may need to share love without sexual contact. They may need to find other ways to express who they are in their relationship. And this is good for a marriage. It also points out that woman is only fertile for a short time in the month, where a man is fertile 24-7 if he's of normal fertility. So it really does remind us then that in our society, the man actually has greater responsibility because he has greater ability, if you will, to propagate life. In more, most hormonal contraceptive situations, the woman takes all of the brunt of the responsibility. And I believe this actually sets up disaster in a marriage because suddenly she feels as if she is being used, that she has to take on all of this responsibility, that she has to be the one who bears the side effects. She has to be the one who goes to the doctor while the man really takes no responsibility except for maybe waiting for that however many years it is until the couple decides it's time to have a baby. One last major difference that we're going to talk about in the area of how is natural family planning different from contraception is the divorce rate. Now, I know that there's many divorcees out there, and bless you, and we hope that you will find grace and hope and peace in the Catholic Church once more. And we know that divorce, unfortunately, is a huge part of our world, but it just doesn't have to be so. It doesn't have to be so prevalent. And one very big statistic that we're seeing in our society is the divorce rate continued to climb 50, 60, sometimes even 70% on the coasts of our great nation. With natural family planning, the divorce rate may surprise you. I've seen articles with as low as 0.2% up to between 3 and 4%. Can you believe that? That means that basically over 97% of couples who get married using natural family planning will stay together. Amazing. And amazing what that could do for society. Let me read you just a little bit of statistics. The number of divorced people increased by 345% between 1960 and 1992. 
Now, one of the propagations, one of the things that some of the early promoters of contraception told people was that contraception would certainly make for better marriages because they would decrease the stress and worry of having more children. Interesting, isn't it, that statistically contraception and the changes it's made in the last 40-45 years has made for more divorce. Now a lot of other things have happened, but there's definitely, definitely a link here. And here's the link. If you never have to say no to sexuality in marriage, it's going to be hard to say no to sexuality in other situations of your life. So it is obvious that adultery or cheating, if you will, has increased over the last 20, 30, 40 years. And if you go to divorce court, you will know that many marriages separate on the grounds of cheating. One spouse being unfaithful to the other, or maybe even both spouses being unfaithful to the other. Cheating becomes more prevalent or easy. Cheating's easy if you believe you have no consequence. One of the great deterrents in times gone by was that of having a child out of wedlock with the mistress or with the person that one is cheating outside of marriage on. Now with all the different forms of contraception and even contraceptives available at the corner gas station, cheating and adultery seem to be a slippery slope or easy, if you will, to commit without thinking of the other consequences. So my friends, divorce has gone up, happier marriages have gone down. And we know that with natural family planning, that couples have greater responsibility to each other, they tend to talk more with each other, and they also tend to stay together. These are great reasons to invest your time, your interest, your talents, your fruitfulness in natural family planning. We appreciate your time today. We appreciate you listening in. And let's end with prayer. Dear God, we know that you have brought us to our knees here. We know that this is a humbling topic, a topic that can affect the entire world. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will reach the ears, the hearts, and the lives of many people in the topics of contraception and abortion. We ask you, dear God, to spread the truth in love, for we know that it is in love that we will find you and that we will enter into your heavenly marriage banquet. We pray, dear God, for stronger marriages. We pray, dear God, for healthier children. We pray that you would use us to move your church and that by your holy cross you would redeem the world. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. You have a wonderful week. Thanks so much. This has been One Body Stewarding God's Creation. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. If you're a business that can help support this One Body show, please know you'll receive three underwriting spots per show and the show runs five times a week. Plus, you'll be listed as a sponsor on the One Body page of Divine Mercy Radio's website. If interested, Please call me, Donetta, 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, 88.1 KBDM Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and KJDM 101.7 in Salina. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.